Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Terry, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to welcome you, especially if it's your first time here to Ocean View. And we're in the midst of a message series entitled Faith Fact Frequently Asked Questions. And over the course of the last three to four weeks, we've been asking some of the most prominent questions that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ in this room, you've either faced yourself or you have friends, family members, or people in the community that maybe ask these questions. And hopefully, uh, by unpacking some of these each and every week, it's given you uh, some great insight into your own life. But most importantly, uh, for those around you that might still have questions about who Jesus is and what he's all about. And, th- and I love this question because many of us have family members or friends who maybe at a time where we're very committed um, to church, very committed to God, um, in their relationship with God, and then for whatever reason, something happens in life. It could be a relationship, it could be a turmoil, crisis, whatever it is, and where they were at one point is not where they're at today. And um, I, I've met so many people who um, I've seen have great relationships with God uh, who I, I see in a mess. And uh, when I talk to them about, you know, hey, you know, God is there for you, He's right there, and they, and they look and they look, I, I can't even talk to God today. I, I just, I'm, I've fallen so far from where I've been that I, God doesn't even want to hear from me. I mean, you, you have, Terry, you have no idea what I've done. You have no idea how many times I've looked in the face of God and just done despicable things. And so I, I, God doesn't want anything to do with me. And so the question that we're going to answer today is, is this. Do I have to clean myself up in order to connect back with God? And I think that's important for some of you that are sitting here today because, um, you know, some of you right now feel really, really um, amazing in your relationship with Christ. Uh, but yet there are some of us in this room that might feel distant. And uh, in fact, maybe we're hiding things. Maybe we just don't even want God to look into the corners and the spaces of our heart uh, because we know that if he saw those, he would reject us. So we're going to actually go to a teaching of Jesus. Jesus was teaching a parable to um, a crowd that was following him. It was called one of his most famous sermons, called the Sermon on the Mount. And, and he's going to tell a story within that that's going to really answer that question for, of it, for us, is that can we still connect with an incredible God uh, even when we mess up, even when we make mistakes? Um, where do we stand with God? In order to lead that off, I'll tell you a story about a pastor. Uh, there was a pastor who was married to his bride for uh, 31 years. And uh, when, when that bride, right before they said, I do, on their wedding day, um, she got some great advice from another pastor's wife. And, and she said this. She said, look, she goes, um, one thing that your husband is going to need more than anything is support. Because he's going to have a whole lot of individuals uh, that are going to criticize him and critique him. And so if you can be a great spouse, that um, when, if you can control your criticisms of um, your, of your husband and the, and the pastor, um, that would serve him well. So what she did was this. She had to transition to all of a sudden becoming uh, sitting under her husband's teaching in church. And that's not easy to do. Just ask my wife. And so she sat there and thought to herself, well, I'll do this. If I feel that my husband has laid an egg in preaching a sermon, rather than tell him and criticize him, I'll just buy an egg and I'll put it in a shoebox, and I'll hide it under my bed, and I'll just collect them. And that'll be my source, where I, my outlet of what I can do. So she did this for 31 years, and all of a sudden, at the end of 31 years, um, she was facing a very major surgery in her life. 
And so she, she felt convicted. And she thought, you know what, I, I need to tell my husband because if I die, he's going to find that shoebox and all those eggs. And, and I don't want him to wonder and, and be curious for the rest of his life. So I need to tell him. So right before she goes under anesthesia, she says, honey, I just want to tell you. And she tells him the story and says, I didn't want to criticize you. So for every time you laid an egg, I put an egg in a shoebox. And that shoebox is under our bed. And so the husband is sitting there like, oh, honey, thank you so much for not criticizing me. And I appreciate that. And the nurse came in. They had to go to the surgery. They put her under. Well, the surgery lasted for three hours. And the husband thought to himself, you know, the house is only about five minutes away. And I'm curious about how big this box is. She won't know. but She doesn't know, won't hurt her. So I'll just slip away to the hospital, go to the bedroom. So he went to the house. He found the shoebox, found the contents. And then he came back to the hospital. And good news was is the surgery went well and the wife was okay. And so she wakes up. And now the husband feels so convicted that he went ahead and did this, that he shares with his wife, honey, I just couldn't stand it. I went to the house and I found the shoebox. And she says, you did. Did you see what was inside? And he said, yeah. He goes, and to be really honest, after 31 years of, mar- of marriage and 31 years of messages, I mean, I, I found three eggs. That's incredible. And I, and I found $10,000, but I mean, I don't know about that. We'll talk about that. But the three eggs, honey, are only three times you ever thought that I laid an egg preaching a sermon. And I just got to tell you, thank you, honey. That encourages my heart. And convicted, the woman looked at her husband and said, well, honey, I, I just got to be honest with you. Once I reached 12 eggs for every 12 sermons you preached, I went ahead and sold them, and that's what the $10,000 is for. Here's the truth using my own life. Um, I I get up, I have the privilege um, every week to be able to, almost every week to come here and to be able to share. and, and, And truth be told, there are times where I walk off this stage and I feel as if I've gotten in the way of God. Because um, really it's not, not the words that I speak that do any difference. It really is God that speaks. And um, there are times as pastors that we feel like we lay eggs. And uh, those are def- tough times. Um, for all of us, when we feel like we don't measure up to God, those are tough times. And what do we do with that? Because the truth is, I think all of us want to feel as if we're, we're doing the right things by God. And, and as a pastor, man, to walk off a stage and to feel like I blew it or I could have prepared more, I could have remembered more, that's tough because I feel like I, I did a disservice to God. And when we talk about, you know, can I connect to God? Can I still connect to God even through all the mess that I live? Um, What do we do in those moments of mess? I'm a a strong believer in Christ. I I trust Him. I believe in Him. But there are times that I feel messy. Now, I'm not messy enough to where I would say I'm in the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. Not that we measure sin. But what do we do in this middle part? Jesus Christ is going to tell a story. And we're going to get to this middle part. But he's going to tell the story about a wise and a foolish builder. And if you've been a Christian for a long time, you've heard this story. But I, I ask you to lean in because we're going to get to a part where I'm going to show something that I've seen for the very first time that changes the way that I read this story. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 7. It's in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can follow along on the screen. We're going to tell the story and then I'm going to come back. And we're going to go bit by bit to really learn what Jesus has to say about can I still connect with God even in the midst of of a mess. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Here we go. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. It's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty 
crash. Now, every time that I've read that story, and if you're new and maybe you've never heard this story before, and that's okay, Jesus illustrates really an either or. Um, in fact, I was a student, and I don't know if, if you're like me, but when a teacher would tell a story and it, it was with a comprehension um, in charge of it, I was always that student that tried to figure it out so I could be the first to answer the question. And so uh, when I'm reading this story, I'm that little boy, and I'm like, okay, all right, all right, Jesus, you're telling this story. Okay, oh, wait, wait, first house. All right, there, there's a house built on bedrock. Okay, bedrock, all right, is that good? Yeah, 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 because that's a wise builder. So right off the bat, the story, com- comprehending it is, we got one aspect, that's bedrock, build a house, solid rock, you're wise. That's me, Jesus. I don't care what the rest of the story. I want to be on the good side of the story, so that's me. How many of you have ever did that as a kid where it doesn't matter what the story says, you don't even pay attention to it because you want to be on the right side of the story? And I do that every time I read this. I'm like, well, I'm wise. I'm not, I'm not a fool. I'm wise. So bedrock, that's me. There's another side to this story, and he talks about if you're a fool. And right off the bat, many of us in this room, our pride Maybe it does, but for most of us, I think our pride doesn't allow us to be put in a fool's category. It's like, whoa, I, you know, I, I'm right here, but Jesus, I, I'm not a fool, so that must mean I'm over here. Because there's only two options. There's bedrock and there's sand. I'm not on sand, so that must mean I'm messy, but I'm still over here. And we've, I've always, when I've read that story, decided in my mind, reading it, Jesus has given us two options. Sand, rock, and that's where you're at. In other words, this middle part doesn't exist because there's only two choices. So we're going to get back to that, but let's go to the sand first and let's read about and dissect it and see what the sand looks like and see what happens when we fall into the sand. Let's take a look at this. This comes from Matthew 26. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, just for kicks and giggles, let's talk about the sand, okay? I know most of us in this room are not fools. Most of us would say we're on bedrock. But just for fun, let's describe what it looks like maybe in life to be a fool and to end up with a house built on Sand. And so what I decided to do is to really go down a, a list with the Lord and say, all right, Lord, if I were to act foolish and I were to build a house on sand, what would that look like? And so if you're taking notes, write this down, acting foolish. First, I think some of us, we struggle with neglect as a fool. A fool neglects wise counsel. Now, I know most of us in this room that, you know, whether it's parents, whether it's aunts and uncles, whether it's brothers, sisters, whether it's coworkers, I mean, every one of us, we listen to wise counsel and we follow through with that wise counsel, right? No, not necessarily. If we're really honest in this room today, before the end of the day, if I'm right in neglecting wise counsel, as Jesus says, means you're a fool, then every one of us will be a fool today. Because how many of you, when you have a decision to make, there is that still small voice in your heart that says, you know, you could say that better. You cannot say that better. You can encourage more. You can put an arm around someone. You could stop and pay attention. You cannot give that dirty look. You cannot snap at your son or daughter. How many of us today are going to make decisions that are not wise but foolish? 
All of a sudden now, when I start describing the hypothetical, some of us are starting to fall into that category and we don't like it. Here's another way that we act foolish. We also, a fool lacks self-awareness. We act selfish. Now, self-awareness is something that some of us have better than others, but here's the truth, is that when everybody around us sees our sin and sees our downfalls, but yet we refuse because of this one word that all of us have, it's called pride. If you're in this room and you really struggle with two words, and those two words are, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If you struggle with those two words, you might have a lack of self-awareness. Because I just said all of us will be foolish today. We'll all make mistakes. And so if we make mistakes, we should say we're sorry, right? So if you struggle to say two words, I'm sorry, follow the breadcrumbs. If every day you're going to make a lot of foolish decisions and over a course of a week you've never apologized one time, I want you to ask, answer the question, how many times did you act like a fool and yet you still refuse to say I'm sorry. Here's another one. Comparison. A fool moves goalposts. Let me explain this one. This is a dangerous one. And I do this all the time. I like to move the goalposts. I'm, a, I'm an athlete. I like playing sports. I like to move the goalposts. Here's, here's what I mean by that. Is all of a sudden you get cornered. You make a mistake. Guys, let me talk to you because I'm a guy. I can talk to guys. Guys, we make a mistake, we get caught, we, we said something, we yelled, we made a mistake, and we know, you know what, there's no covering this, I made a mistake, I, I, you know, I'm in the doghouse. And all of a sudden, rather than say two words, rather than say I'm sorry, you move the goalpost. In other words, it's like this. It's like, well, honey, yes, yes, I know. I know that I did this, but, but... You, for the last three years, have been nagging and nagging and nagging and criticizing. And so how else am I supposed to live my life when I got three years of this? I deserve the opportunity to be able to do that. So it's more on you. It's less on me. It is all your fault. It's not my fault. I just moved the goalpost. I made it not about what really happened. I made it all about the past. And when you do that, you act like a fool. There's another one. There's two categories of sin I like to say. There's momentary sin. A fool puts desire over wisdom in a moment. There are many of us in today that are going to do that, that we're going to put the moment over wisdom by being impatient, by being lazy. And rather than investing and rather than making a wise choice, we're going to choose selfishly what we desire. And those are called momentary sins, and we all have that. But the more dangerous of those when we act like a fool is this, continuous sin. A fool sacrifices the future for their present. And this is a dangerous place, and this is one of the most descriptives I can put for a fool, is that when you live your life, and all of a sudden you make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, and then you start liking that bad decision because it feels good, because it looks good, and you know in your heart, I know it's wrong, but I don't care because it feels good, it looks good, and this is what I want. When you get to that place, you're in a place of continuous sin, and you are a fool. Now, before you start getting mad at me for calling you all fools, let me point you to the chief fool. And I'm going to give you an illustration today. About three years ago, I went into my house, and you know, I, I joke around every once in a while about the fact that I'm really, really manly and handy and all that. Um, and that's not very true. But um, I share about how I, I don't know much about construction. And I don't. But I do like to tinker. And I do like to build things. And I do like to kind of 
you know, fix things around the house. And many times I fix them the wrong way, but that's okay. Um, and so my wife, the, uh, about three years ago said, honey, I've got the pantry doors and on the pantry doors, they're hollow, but I've seen where you can, you can hang a, a rack of shelves on the pantry door. And I could put spices and I could put all kinds of things and it gives me more room in my pantry. Can you go to the store and find that by, and do you think you can install it? Well, of course, of course I can. Absolutely. So I went over to the store. I found the spice rack. I came home, opened it up. I said, is this what you're looking for? Yes, that's it. She goes, you can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a problem at all. So I went ahead and I, I opened the instructions because a good construction guy opens the instructions and we read at least the first couple. And so I was reading the first couple. I went ahead and I started putting together. I'm like, ah, I got this. And so I started putting it all together. I was, you know, zipping through, put the shelves in, everything else. And then I went ahead just because I am the wonderful husband that I am. I decided to take all the spices and everything that we took out, put, put it all in the racks for her so I could surprise her, have her open it and go, oh, and she would just fall madly in love with me all over again. So she came home and finished it. And I said, I want you to go over there. I want you to open your pantry door. And she went over to grab the pantry door and, and, and she was going to like rip it open. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Open it really slow. And she goes, why do I have to? I said, just trust me. Just open it slow. So she opens it really slow. And she looks and she goes, oh, she goes, oh, that looks great. It looks wonderful. So then she went to close it and she took it and she went like this. And I said, whoa, wait. and then she stopped it. And all of a sudden, the hanging spice rack went like this. All the spices fell off the rack onto the floor and it slammed back into the door. And I said, why did you do that? She goes, what do you mean, why did I do that? She says, why is it flying off the door? She goes, this is not how it's supposed to be. And I'm like, I said, well, yeah, yes, it is. It's a hanging spice rack. You, you're, you just can't, you just have to open it slow from now on. She said, I do not want to be worried every time I open the spice rack that all my spices are going to fall. I go, well, that's how it's got to be. And so she goes, did you read the instructions? Yes, I did. She didn't ask me if I read all of them. She just asked me if I read the instructions. And she says, but in the instructions, aren't you supposed to attach like this to the back of the door? I said, well, yeah, but I had already put all the spices in the rack, and I mean, the weight of it is going to hold it there. I mean, as long as you don't open it really fast, it'll be fine. She goes, well, can't you take everything off? I am not taking everything out. I took all the time in the world to make it beautiful for you, and now you're, you're rejecting my gift, and you're making it all about you. Move the goalposts. And so she went, she said, Terry, can you please fix it the right way? I go, well, not today. Spent all day on this. I really spent about an hour and a half, but it's all day to us. Yeah, you know, there's a game on later, later. I got to watch it. But here's the truth. I spent a lot of time putting it together and it's not right. And that's the illustration of sometimes us acting like a fool. I'm going to get back to that story in just a second. But Jesus is, gets done with talking about what it means to be a fool. And now he's going to go to the, uh, the oar and he's going to go over to the rock. And I want you to see what he says about the rock in Matthew 7, 24, 25. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Well, what Jesus was saying is, look, if you decide that you're going to go ahead and you're going to listen to my teaching, and I say all the time here at church that listening to Jesus' teaching is like putting tools in your Christian tool belt. And when you put tools in your tool belt, you can accomplish projects you can make things happen. You can create. You can better your life if you have more tools. Now, 
I know these are not the tools that I use to build a cabinet. I get it. This is just for illustration effect, okay, for all you type A's out there. But we put tools in our tool belt. A little teaser for you. Starting in the month of June, going through June and July, in this room, as well as in our kids' area, we're going to be learning about something that Scripture teaches us is called the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is this, that when you build your house on bedrock and you put tools in your tool belt, then you will exude. Coming out of you will be some specific items and tools. And those tools look like this. This comes from Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And he says, there's no law against these. In June and July, we're going to go over each and every one of those. But one thing I wanted to show you is that what the author is saying is, is that if you build your house on bedrock, you'll live such a life that you won't have to worry about what you're doing wrong. Many of us, we grow up with a dad that we have rules, and if we don't follow the rules, we get punished. And we're always concentrating on, okay, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And what the author is saying is, look, if you live a life that's built on this bedrock, you won't even have to think about the things you're not supposed to do because you'll be living in such a way that you will exude exactly what God wants from you. And in June and July, we're going to cover all of those. But here's the point. Three years ago, I put that cabinet up and I let it sit for three years. Yes, I'm a lousy husband. Go ahead, ladies. I know what you're thinking. Finally, the other day, I looked at it and I thought to myself, you know what? I need to fix that thing. So I went ahead and I took everything out. It took four minutes and 22 seconds to take everything out of the spice rack. I remember thinking to myself, why was I so stubborn to not pull all this out? I took it down. Went to Lowe's, got a couple of items, the right tools. It took me 15 minutes to affix the shelf the right way. I put everything back, another five minutes to put everything back. So in a matter of about 20 minutes, I used the right tools in the right fashion. Jennifer came home and I said, honey, swing it. (laughs) She opened that thing and nothing moved. And then she looked at me, as a good wife does, and says, can you do that for the other side? (laughs) Put it on the honey-do list. Here's the point, though. When we live our lives on the rock, we realize how easy it is to live that way. That when you exude patience and kindness and it becomes a pattern in your life, you realize the blessings of God come with us. So, here's where in that story... Some of you might sit. Terry, I want to live on the rock, but here's the truth. The foolish things that you shared, I sit here all the time. And here's where I have a problem with this scripture. Yes, the pastor said it. I have a problem with this scripture. Because I have a lot of friends who ran away from God a long time ago. I still have friends on Facebook that I keep up with who at one point in their life followed God. And now they're running from God. And they feel so lousy. They feel so guilty. And when this story comes up and they look at what they've done in their life, there is no way that they can ever put themselves on this side. And so because it's either or in their hearts and in their minds, when they think of God, they think that God looks at them as a fool on sand 
and there's no hope. And it causes them to run from God every day of their life. You might know family members or friends who won't come to church because they couldn't dare sit in a worship service because they feel so far away from God. And they think, God isn't happy with me. But here's this last five minutes, lean in. What if the purpose of this story is not about building houses on either side? What if the purpose of that story goes far deeper and Jesus was actually trying to talk about this middle area here that we think doesn't exist? I want to show you the first part of that scripture and I just want to key in on one word. Take a look at this. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is is wise like a person who builds a house. Now, That word builds in the original language is present tense. It's not built. It has not completion. It is about the fact that every day of our life, we are going to have our tool belts on and we are going to be building. Now, if you've ever had a tool belt on and you've ever started a project, you take four steps forward and you'll probably take one step back. And then you'll take three steps forward. And then you'll take two steps back. And then you might take another two steps back, but then you might take five steps forward. That's construction. That's building. That's a process. There is no perfect construction project. If you've ever been in construction and you've looked at a house being built, there are constant flaws, constantly things that need to be fixed. There are checklists that need to come in at the end of a house. So if you're a builder, what Jesus is saying, if you are building, you are always going to have mess ups in your life. So what if the point of the story is not whether or not you complete the house, but whether the foundation stays in place? Here's my point. Here's my point. I don't think Jesus really cares about the houses that we build. The truth is, is we're never going to finish the house. We're always going to be building. Always going to be building. In fact, I had a condo that we got in such great shape in Fort Lauderdale. We finished it. We built it. We did everything right. And a hurricane came in. And I was standing holding a bank of windows in my condo as they were ripped out of my hands by the hurricane, which was not smart, by the way. You want to talk about fool. Don't hold on to windows when a hurricane's hitting you. Don't do that. That's not smart. But all of a sudden, I had all these bank of windows out of my house. I had rain damage. I had furniture damage. I had window damage. We had to rebuild parts of the house. We're constantly building. So what if the point of the story has nothing to do about the house and everything to do about the foundation that Jesus talks about? Because here's the truth. The question Jesus poses is whether you build on a strong foundation or not. And many of us in this room, we find ourselves in the middle where, Terry, I don't think I'm a fool, but at the same token, I can't say that I'm standing on solid ground right now. Here's what you have to understand in this story, lean in, lean in, lean in. We don't build the foundation because Jesus already did. And the choice that we have to make every day of our life that we put these two belts on is this. Do we desire to continue to build in our lives on a solid foundation or not? Do we choose in our lives to understand that every day of my life, I am going to be moving either towards a foundation or away from a foundation. But Jesus Christ, the foundation that I want to center my life on is that foundation. There's no question about it. No question in my mind. 
You are Lord, you are Savior, you are perfect, and I want to live my life on that standard. And so, God, I'm sorry that I'm over here, and I'm sorry that I'm almost over here in sand, but I don't want the sand, Jesus. I want that. And what if Jesus was trying to tell that story to let us know that because we build, there is always room on the foundation for us. I don't want you to ever forget this. No matter how far you've fallen and whether or not, the question for you is, do you want to build your house on sand? And if the answer is no, I don't want this. I mean, I got one foot in, but Terry, I don't want to build here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to stay here. I'm trapped. You got to know today that there's always room on bedrock for you. Jesus doesn't care what you've done, what you have, or what you know. He offers relationship to anyone, anywhere, anytime. And the question for all of us is, are you willing every day to listen, to put your tools in place and say, God, I'm over here and I don't feel right with you, but the truth says there's room and I'm going to keep building. And I know that if I keep building, I will find myself on solid rock. Which house are you building? Which foundation do you want? Because Jesus Christ can offer the best foundation that you can build on. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, right now, Lord, I thank you so much for... Lord, just revealing to me that there is another option. God, I pray right now for the individuals watching online or in this room right now today, God, that feel so far away from you and feel as if they can't even come to you. God, that is a lie. Because you say that every day of our life we are going to build. And so, God, right now, may we be a people in this room, whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not. Here's the question I pose. Do you want your life built on solid rock? And if that answer is yes, then starting today, when Jesus speaks into your heart and says, that's not the right choice, may you stand and say, Jesus, I'm going to change and I'm going to build and I'm going to listen and I'm going to become wiser because you call me to that. And oh God, may you find a place filled with people ready and willing to learn and grow and stand with you on solid rock. We love you, dear Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.